Hi, I'm Libby. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. It was not well received and we were not invited back. (laughs) If you don't send it to me now, it's a lie. Documentation. Okay. I'm not making a fake documentation. I just meant we could take it after the podcast. Oh. Amy, I'll send you all three so you can choose. Um, okay, so Farron started this podcast just before we hit play, saying that she would like to be introduced before <laughs> she speaks. So I know you've been listening for, I don't know, months and months, mm-hmm. but this is uh, Farron Babbitt. Thank you. <laughs> and she's going to she's gonna speak a little bit, as she does every time we record a podcast. I do all the time, because I talk a lot. But she's been introduced this time, so I think, is that what you were looking for? Yeah, to be well, I would, mocked I pl- publicly? looking to be prompted. <laughs> oh, prompted. But this is fine. You did say introduced. I did say, I used the word introduced. Thank you, Amy. I did well, use the word introduced. <laughs> so just in the spirit of introductions, we have Farron Babbitt here, um, co-host of the Tip of the Iceberg mm-hmm. podcast. But we also have one of our favorite coworkers here, Amy Hafner, and she's our prevention person here. Do you hello. want to introduce yourself? Oh, how, hello. Uh, yes, I'm the prevention education coordinator. Mm-hmm. Did you forget my position? No, I just, I don't never. She, didn't, she felt weird introducing you. Yeah, oh, it, felt, it felt funny to me because we're you. best friends. Oh, okay. Well, I'm Amy Hafner, and I'm the prevention education <laughs> coordinator. I work alongside with Livy doing outreach sort of stuff. Farron will get into that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the theme of today's podcast is something that a lot of people are pretty excited about right now in the world is kind of a national conversation when we're talking about um victim-based services right Mm -hmm. so we're going to talk about prevention obviously because amy's here and that's her whole world is prevention right now um but it's not something that we always focused on at safe right yeah yeah so I've been at SAFE for seven years, and um, I've been the director here for three. So before I became the director, our former director had written um, as part of a big two-year grant, um, had asked for funding for two new positions, one of which was a, a satellite position on campus, which is Katrina's position, and the other was a position to just do primary prevention. So um, backtracking a little bit, We've always had an outreach coordinator at SAFE, and if, if you've ever done outreach at a nonprofit, you know that like the sky is the limit with <laughs> outreach, and there's so much you can do. And when you're doing outreach, that involves community outreach, campus outreach, and also trying to reach youth in the community, there are not enough hours in the day or the week yeah. for any outreach coordinator to achieve that. That is not achievable. So... We also know, based on best practice and based on data, that if we're waiting to talk to people about gender-based violence until they you know, go to college, which is when I started learning about it, we're way too late, right? Like we need to start talking to people from the cradle about healthy relationships, healthy families, body, bodily autonomy, respect, consent, all of those things. And of course, tailor it to, you know, be age appropriate, but there's no reason we shouldn't be talking to three-year-olds about bodily autonomy Mm -hmm. and healthy boundaries. Right. And so we really feel like we were missing the mark and we've always been really proud of our outreach program and felt like we were, it was really an underserved and under targeted 
population, youth in the community. So our director wrote for this position and we were awarded funding for the prevention position in 2016, which was when it started. So it's relatively new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, just listening to that, I was thinking about, you know, the difference between prevention and outreach because I do, I feel like I do a lot of prevention, Mm -hmm. but I do prevention to the people that it's kind of like, we're running to catch up with. Like I do a lot of prevention and like on campus Mm -hmm. and with, with older people. And, and I was just thinking like, I think that that happens because those systems are already in place. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I have people emailing me saying, could you come and talk to my first year seminar class? Or, Mm -hmm. um, I have this club and I want to do this or people in the community. That's like, I would like all my employees to know how to handle like sexual assault and sexual harassment, things like that. These are all kind of already in place and people can advocate for those because they know that they need them. That said, I don't know if in the past, that's been as much of a conversation surrounding younger kids. And I think that's a huge reason that we need a prevention person Mm -hmm. to really, what's that word? Like pave the way, pioneer, pioneer. (laughs) Pave the way. Yeah. Pioneer that kind of like push through those barriers and talking to, talking to kids. Right. Cause what you're doing is totally prevention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can absolutely do prevention with adults, like totally. Right. Um, but it's great if, if kids get to college and already have sort of a foundation and a mm-hmm. knowledge a little bit about these issues so that you're not there. It's just not like a totally foreign concept to them. Absolutely. So it's basically building on the foundation mm-hmm. by the time they're at college. And we level. know that mm-hmm. high school girls are at as high of a risk of being sexually assaulted as college girls are. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important, too, for preventing violence in in high school where we know it's rampant yeah to be doing prevention work in elementary and and even pre-k yeah yeah so it's it's pretty important stuff so what's been your experience doing prevention so i have been in the position for almost a year it's coming up really soon um and my background is really strong with working with kids so before prevention i um I taught, I was an assistant teacher for several years. Um, Coming into the position was mortifying. (laughs) Oh no. Um, So I feel like the position was pretty new and a lot of things hadn't been established. Is that the right word to use? Established? Yeah, I think so. Um, So when when you start working at SAFE, you basically are given... I'd call it like a pamphlet (laughs) of your position and you can read through it and see what things have been done in the position. Um, And my, my pamphlet is what I'm going to call it was pretty little. So Um, Amy calls it a pamphlet. It's actually a primer. (laughs) Well, and for a lot of people, it's like a binder. Ideally it should be a binder full of information. (laughs) This is why I'm calling it a pamphlet. Okay. Okay, I'm just specifying that it is ideally Right. It would be a, a, like, a binder. Really, really established positions like the volunteer coordinator position. Sure. I feel like that's like 50, 50 yeah. pages yeah, in there. Totally. <laughs> so my pamphlet, I'm sticking with my pamphlet. It had very little information in there. Um, and the information that was in there was like ideas that had been explored or tried. And after every single idea it said, this failed, oh. this failed. That might not be the correct words, but basically that's what was implied. 
I remember <laughs> you showing this to me when you first started. <laughs> and I remember it was like, this was the idea we had. We went into yes. this classroom to do this project. Um, it was not well received and we were not invited back. <laughs> <laughs> we tried this outreach thing and um, it failed. <laughs> and we had one, every single thing. We had one student that came to this and I was like, <laughs> yes. I went to several people in the office and I was like, I'm really freaked out. <laughs> Nothing has worked. So, um, but it actually has turned out really well. So the past year um, I was able, I think it, helped that I had the background of working with kids and I'm familiar with organizations and, um, you know, places where young children are. I have, throughout the year, I was booked with presentations and I had um, a lot of positive feedback. I worked with, you know, even children who were reaching out to me. Um, (laughs) They were sending me emails and wanting copies of my presentation, which... I was shocked by with working with teenagers. Um, but one other thing is I was able to get in with working with um, preschoolers, and I think that's huge because I started working with the three-year-olds where we talked about that's really important to start this. So to my surprise, even after me crying my first week every day, like, what am I going to do? Everything has failed in this position. Um, it has been really good, and I think that we have our foot in the door at a lot of places, and I think that people understand that I'm not coming in to talk about sexual assault and domestic violence to three-year-olds, and um, I've already had calls for this year for to set up presentations, so I think that we're on the right track, and I think it's gone really well. Yeah, I agree. Despite what I was nervous about, so. <laughs> well, yeah, and that just makes me think, like, what's the difference, you know, because we, we when this position was first created mm-hmm. we hit barrier after barrier after barrier and I think you are a superhero so I think that's a huge thing right well, we thanks. all worship you <laughs> but what is it that you have done to like create um, some change here because I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast are service providers mm-hmm. and so there are people that maybe have tried some things and maybe have felt that same way of crying every day because it doesn't work and they know it's needed and it's super important, but also doors getting slammed in their face. So I think one thing that has really helped is um, I have reached out to people who I think this would be beneficial for and important for. So for example, school counselors Mm. um, for the program that I did with preschool. Um, I believe it was the educational director that I worked with closely for the preschool students. Um, I set up meetings with them so that we were all on the same page and that they knew where I was coming from with the prevention stuff. I wasn't coming in to talk to these young three-year-olds about sexual assault and domestic violence. And we had these meetings of, you know, like what they thought would be helpful for them and their students and what could be beneficial and they listened to my side of the prevention. So for the younger kids, we did a whole healthy families unit. And I think that once um, the counselors and the directors and, you know, the people that we're working closely with understood how we are coming across with the prevention, they were a lot more comfortable to letting mm. me in. And then once they saw how well it went, they were like, this is something we, we can always use for our students in the future. I think that... A, a huge barrier is I think that when 
we we are a domestic violence sexual assault agency, right? That's yeah. the work that we do. And I think that a lot of administrators at schools worry that we're going to come in with, mm-hmm. like, case studies of graphic, yes. you know, child sexual assaults or, like, whatever. But that is so not what happens, yes, right? not at all. And I think that I do still have some barriers with some schools and programs here because I do think they have those misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still working on reaching out to them because I think that the really important piece is just meeting with them first so that we're all on the same page and they understand what kind of presentations I'm actually doing. Um, I have had programs reach out to me for specific presentations on domestic violence or sexual assault, and that's because they feel that that's where those students Mm -hmm. are at right now. Yeah. Um, but I don't do anything that people are not comfortable with. I think that is perhaps the greatest thing that you've done in this position is when you are working with community partnerships, whether it be schools or preschools or daycares or whatever you're doing, I think you are so good at meeting those organizations where they are and what doing what they want. Yeah. So I've noticed that with you, it's a conversation of like, what is it that you want Mm -hmm. me to talk about? And what is it that you don't want me to talk about? And you really stay within what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the only way to get over the barrier of this prevention position. Um, Because I don't think I would be welcomed back if I (laughs) went in there and did something that people were not comfortable with. Yeah. And that's not the goal of this. Right. Well, and it's also really ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people people's concern is that you're gonna come in there with I don't know pictures from Mm -hmm. child abuse cases or whatever and just be really graphic about it but how far would that get you if you're talking to a group of fifth graders about um child abuse and what's safe at home and what's not like is it going to be super effective to show traumatizing pictures yeah no 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 so I, yeah, I totally agree. I think a lot of this position and a lot of outreach positions, any outreach position is personality driven, super mm-hmm. personality driven. And I, I don't think, I think that outreach is a very difficult, it's a very difficult job mm-hmm. um, because it takes a really special skill set that I don't think a lot of people naturally have. Mm -hmm. One of which is obviously being up in front of people and talking. Another is pounding pavement Mm -hmm. and continuing to make those connections even when people shut the door on you. Yeah. You know, continuing to be persistent, but not persistent in a way that's like pushy and Mm -hmm. off-putting. Yeah. And making people trust you, whether Mm -hmm. you're speaking to a kindergarten class or a a church group. Yeah. Yeah. People have to know that you're not going to go up there and go crazy and say a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff that that's going to make everybody uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really do think that it's very much a, a personality-driven position, especially when you're dealing with children. Yeah. Because it's understandable that the school district is really protective of the kids. And Absolutely. I think they're also really worried about the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've done a good job of relating well to the children which mm-hmm. is another I think special part mm-hmm. of being an outreach coordinator is you know relating well to your audience mm-hmm. and and kids are a whole special breed of <laughs> yeah you know like kids are hard yes. and you do really well relating to kids which I think speaks to your background working mm-hmm. with little kids um but also I think you're able to make people feel comfortable and they trust you coming into their classroom that 
the curriculum that you're putting forward is is credible. It's based on best practice mm-hmm. and actual data, and also the children aren't going to walk out of there traumatized mm-hmm. and horrified <laughs> at what they've just heard. Yeah, so I, I think that that's I think that that's a, a big challenge for this type of a position, for an outreach position, but especially one that works specifically with with a really special, vulnerable mm-hmm, population. Mm-hmm. You know, children are the most vulnerable that we work with. So Yeah. Well, I've even had parents who have requested to see my materials mm-hmm. before I go in, which I could see, you know, um, it'd be easy for me to say, that's going to take forever for me to get you all the materials. But I think that it's also really important to have parents trust you mm-hmm. with what you're going to talk about. Me being a parent myself, I think I'd be weary and want to know exactly what was mm-hmm. going to be talked about. Yeah, um, me too. And so I've provided those for parents, the materials to look through. Um, and I haven't had any parents come back with this. Is, yeah. yeah. So I think, and I think that just having them know what we're going in there to do probably makes them feel a little bit more at ease with it. Yeah. So. Um, and also I know that some of the places I've worked with, the schools, they have written up letters for parents to opt out of it. So if there's a reason why somebody's really concerned about this, um, they can choose to not be in, in there. So I also think that it takes getting into one school mm-hmm. to kind of set up precedence for yeah. all of the mm-hmm. other schools. Mm-hmm. Cause we've seen that, like we got yeah. into one school with their counselor and their principal. And then that counselor and that principal was able to like mm-hmm. tell other counselors. I mean, they're all colleagues, right? Yeah. So like to say like, yeah, Amy's not a crazy person and this was actually <laughs> really fun and the kids enjoyed it and it was yeah. really good learning experience for everyone. And I think that's helpful too. Like once you get your foot in the door with one yeah. school, then you They spread of, the word. Yeah, yeah. And then other people are like, oh, okay, well they had a good, I mean, it's word of mouth and, and it's great. Also, I think when you, we hear presentations, sometimes you just think of somebody standing up there mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. at you the whole time. And I very much do hands-on it's stuff. like a workshop. Yeah. Yeah. So I talk to them, obviously, or I read the kids a book, mm-hmm. and then they do an activity. But it's all very, um, what is the word? Interactive. Yeah, interactive, yeah. even with the older students. So mm-hmm. I talk to them for longer than probably I do to the younger kids. But I always have an activity where they can take the material that I've given them and relate to it maybe, but also it's very interactive. So it's not just me standing up there for an hour talking at them. Um, and I've also gotten really good feedback with, um, some of the older groups with discussion. It's really open doors for people to talk about these issues that we're having with gender-based violence and those kinds of things. And I think it really has been good to make, you know, the young students think about these things that are happening in our community mm. that they maybe weren't aware of. Yeah. And I will say, too, that I think one of your superpowers <laughs> is I think you can talk to, okay, very clearly, everyone listening to this podcast is going to know how obsessed I am with Amy. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> but I think that you could talk to any person or go into any group and instantly build rapport. Honestly, I have never seen you interact with someone where you didn't completely normalize everything they were saying. I've never seen someone be weary of the response you gave to a question. So I can imagine you going into a group of teenagers who Mm -hmm. probably have some like questions that they're nervous about. Mm -hmm. Like, can I ask this question Mm -hmm. or is this a weird question to ask? And I am positive that you would just 
totally knock it out of the park by making that the most normal question ever. And I've seen you do that with some groups even. Yeah. How do you I mean, do that? I I don't think I'm trying to do that. <laughs> I think it might just be part of personality, but I I do feel like the more comfortable I make people feel in those presentations, the more successful it's going to be. Because mm-hmm. you go in there and they're like staring at you like, yeah, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> and... By the end of that presentation, sometimes I haven't even finished what I had planned because the discussion has been so heavy and they've asked questions and they've given their input Mm -hmm. on things. Um, I've been really surprised with how well discussions have gone. And I don't know if it's just my approach to going in and Mm -hmm. trying to, but that's that's how it's been. And it's probably too, at some point, I think that people have questions about this and really want a space to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But there aren't spaces like this to to talk about my questions about sexual assault or is what's happening at home okay Mm -hmm. if I feel scared about it? Or what do I do next? You know, what do I do in this relationship that I don't feel like I'm completely understood or, you know, loved? Yeah. And two, I... So I've had people in presentations who have tried to give me hypothetical situations Mm -hmm. And I give them hypothetical answers to it. And then they've followed up with me and they'll kind of be like, just so you know, that was me I was talking about. And I never want to be like, I absolutely knew that was you you were talking about. And so I just try to make them feel comfortable. So obviously Amy's perfect. Um, <laughs> she's laughing. Um, no. <laughs> but we understand. I Everyone that's sitting here right now, both Farron, Amy, and I, we have all been in outreach positions and so we understand how difficult this is it's not like although we've presented some things that have worked for us it is so hard it is so hard to find what works for your population Mm -hmm. for your community for the people individually that you're working with the people you're presenting to we get it so don't think that we're sitting here being like just follow these simple steps and (laughs) (laughs) and it'll all work out yeah, not no, at all. It's it's supposed to be hard, and it's really important that you just be persistent. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of persistence. Um, but like we said, once you get your foot in the door with one person or organization, um, that makes it a little bit easier, that word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, so let's recap just briefly what's worked for our program. Like you said, kind of the domino effect – getting in with one place and, and doing well. And then from that point, other doors open. Yeah. Um, I think you're, we said that you were really good at meeting the group or the client or the organization or whoever you're working with where they are yeah. and completely customizing what you do to their needs, to their needs, to yeah. make them comfortable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think also um, having a good rapport and building relationships with these people in the community have been really helpful too yeah and then being comfortable with the population you're presenting to so if that means that you're going into a group of kindergartners which you have Mm -hmm. being able to sit in there and and have a successful presentation or going into um middle schools and high schools and and how does that look and making sure that you have the tools to make your presentations or workshops successful. Yes, absolutely. Yep. I've also, um, I've had other programs reach out to me to see, you know, like get some of our tools and our curriculum and things like that. And I think 
I've given them what I can, um, but I don't know that that would necessarily be helpful mm -hmm. because, again, we're saying it depends on the community needs, and it's. I think you kind of have to just find what works for your community and find those tools that are going to be best for what your community is looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, like Baron said, and perhaps the most important one is do not give up. No. Yeah. You have to be persistent and it means that you're going to have a billion calls not returned and your emails not answered and you may have to show up and listen to them talk about why they don't want you in their school or in their <laughs> wherever, but do not give up because it's like that domino effect. You get in with one place and you have a couple successful presentations and every successful presentation you have or workshop makes the next one easier, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And does. I think as long as those people, you, you're able to make those people know that you're the expert mm -hmm. and that you're the one equipped to present that material to that group, and that it's also really, really critical that that group hear that material. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's helped us get into the schools. Yes. They're like, well, we are not the experts on gender-based violence. Yeah. And we know that these kids are at risk. And so please come. Yeah, because I don't know how to talk about it. Because mm -hmm. I don't yeah. and I don't want to. Because yeah. I'm not trained to do that. You do this all day, every day. you know. And I think that coming to that understanding with those, with those schools has mm -hmm. been pretty instrumental too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just finish off here with, I guess I want to hear your favorite experience. What's worked so far? Okay. You've let's had some see. funny stories with yeah. little kids. I, so I don't think I could just pick one because I've had some really funny stories come about. I really have enjoyed working um, with the younger kids, and I think that's because I worked with them before. But going into it, um, I guess I was kind of worried about things being disclosed to me because... We are mandatory mm -hmm. reporters. Mm -hmm. So far, I haven't run into that. I've just really run into funny stories where kids are trying to relate to what I've talked to them about, and they're telling me about <laughs> healthy arguments that have happened at home, um, things that their parents probably would not ideally like to be shared with me and the whole class. Um, I've had kids draw me as part of their family, <laughs> and that's been really cool to hear, too. Um, I've had kids call me out on thinking I disclosed where our shelter is located oh, that's right. and things like that. Because um, you've presented to past clients who have stayed in our shelter. And so some of the things that I say probably could come across as confusing and, mm -hmm. you know, they come up to me and say, you gave out information you weren't supposed to. You broke the rules. <laughs> yeah. So I've just had a really overall good experience, I think, with the younger kids and I can't pick one specific thing because there have been many funny my favorite story things. was the, oh yes the, that, you should tell it you but know i forgot i was trying to think of it the other he, day the, so i think tell me if i'm wrong okay my best Ew, I remember you were with a group of little like kindergartners i think it was little. first graders yeah first and it was a sore yes it was yeah. a sore program and which is an after school program run through our boys and girls club here right and so they have like an after school program and they invited amy to come and do some programming there yeah and you asked the children what you, how you show someone you love them, right? It was something along and these lines. And they were like giving all kinds of answers. Like you give them hugs or you give them a kiss yes. or whatever. And one little boy. Or show boy, somebody that you care about. Or you show someone you something care like for that. them. Yeah. And one little boy said that he thinks that you show people you love them because after you die, you oh. donate your organs to them so they can live. <laughs> that is what it so was. So my mom had a liver transplant when I was nine and Amy came in and told me this and I bawled. Oh. I was like, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard 
I was, I couldn't remember the story. I'm like, wow, how does a first grader say something like that? I was was something like that. It was like that. And I was so taken back because I was like not expecting that at all. The kids were saying all these other things or even like give them money, like (laughs) things like that. But then also this was a really fun presentation because it turned into some really freaked out children. (laughs) Like, what? So I think I remember when when this story was told to me, I think what happened was it, they were like, how do you show somebody you care for them or you love yes. them? And they're like, you give them hugs, you give them kisses, you give them money, yeah. you give them your organs. Yes, and he said, I want to give people <laughs> my organs after I, after I die so they can have a chance at life. And I was just, I was like, whoa. And the other kids were paused more like... I don't want to give away my body parts. What are you talking about? I'll keep those for myself. I it was the thing. Yeah. I had to call my mom and tell her about it. It was so, it was so sweet. And then These they, kids are so cute. Those teachers had to have a whole talk about oh. organs. And, Organ donation. Yes. Oh, boy. This took a turn. Oh. It did take a turn. What about the most challenging experience you've had? Whether maybe like it was a really awkward situation where you didn't know what to say or something you left and it, was, it challenged you. So my most challenging by far has been with a group of teenagers. And I will tell you that I don't have as much experience with teenagers as I do with the younger kids. And so I think in general that was going to be my challenge to begin with. Um, but I had a group of teenagers who really challenged me and they... I don't think they really cared to hear why I was there or what I had to say, and that's how I felt. But I was able to turn that around, um, and I was able to come back in and work with the same group of teenagers and put together a whole panel of um, professionals that Safe Project works Mm -hmm. with. And they were very interested and engaged in that, and I think that it really opened their eyes to the work that I do rather than them making fun of me through the whole presentation. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So let me get this straight. You had a presentation to a bunch of high school kids, middle school. I think it was middle school. Middle school actually, kids. Yeah. It went terribly. <laughs> they shook you to your core. <laughs> and you decided, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm gonna go back to my office, do hours of work to coordinate a panel in which law enforcement, safe project staff, other community partners are all there so they can answer the questions in a way that fits the needs of this group better. Exactly. And you really took control of the room the second time. I did. Remember, you were yeah, like, you no nonsense. Say, I was kids. there. She laid down the she law. Was like, we're not going to do what we did <laughs> last time. I did say today. we can't waste time again yeah. or we're out of here. Sure. But so you were really good. The first time going in, I don't know if anyone has seen Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like the guy in Kindergarten Cop. Like, That's they my favorite were movie. literally eating me alive and I just wanted to go home. We go to bed after that and be like, I'm done we're working with... We're not kindergartners. Yes. We were 14. I'm done working with the middle school age because... Well, middle school kids are tough. They are tough. Yeah. But I also think that it's really important that... Yeah, they, they need to hear this stuff. And I think a big thing, too, is bullying. Yeah. And that's also something that I was asked to talk about, mm-hmm. which obviously, that's not my focus, sure. I guess, with prevention, but it does, it does yeah. play a role in it. And so... Um, I did do some bullying stuff with him. And so I think it's important to not give up on those hard groups too. I think it'd be easy for me to be like, I'm done, never going back, can't handle that. But instead... It's again, it's personality driven. Yeah. And I I think that it's something I'm going to do again this year. Yeah. Because it went really well. I agree. Now you know why I'm obsessed with her. (laughs) (laughs) She's great. (laughs) 
last question and this is only for my own curiosity because I don't think I've ever asked you this but Mm -hmm. you know you said you were coming up on one year of doing this work and being here how do you think it's changed you how do you think you've changed oh I think it's changed me quite a bit um like I said coming into it I was really scared especially after reading my pamphlet which I'm still (laughs) going to call it a pamphlet um but I think that it's given me more drive does that make sense totally um so I, I think that I've realized how important this work is, and no matter what the barriers are, I think that it's made me realize that I can't give up on it. Mm. Um, and so I'm trying to plan some even bigger things for next year yeah. and really just stick with getting my foot into places that I've pushed back on me just because I think it's really shown me, like, this is important. Yeah. And based on some of the stories kids have told me, I'm not talking, like, the funny ones, like, kids have told me some things that are concerning like what makes me realize this needs to be heard by young children so well stay tuned to (laughs) safe projects work because it is true when amy says she has some big projects in the works she really does and so i think you're going to be hearing some more about what's what's going on with safe project and prevention because she's so so good at her job and i can't wait I don't, I assume we will not have the opportunity to do this, but I can't wait. I hope that we get to reflect on this in another 10 years when you've been doing this work for for that long and we can talk about what has changed since then and what have you learned even more. I think it's so exciting. It's great. Well, if you are a person out there who has a question about prevention work or maybe you're working at a program and have hit some of the barriers that Amy has talked about, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm sure Amy is happy to talk to you about what's worked for her. And, oh, yeah, definitely. And, and maybe if you have some suggestions for us as to mm-hmm. meet some of our needs that we've talked about here too, get in touch. Amy's email is prevention at safeproject.org. And so I'm sure she's happy to talk to you. Yes, are right? I would love to give guidance and I'd also love to have people give me some guidance. I think you can never have too much support and guidance so yeah we're all a team in this work yeah as always if you need an advocate please 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 give us a call for whatever reason our hotline number is 307-745-3556 absolutely and if you have questions for our podcast or if you want to give us feedback feel free to do that on our itunes review or um, email me at outreach at safeprojects.org And have a wonderful day. Bye.